Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the process of scheduling your perfect APPE schedule. So after this episode, I just want to let you guys know an update of the, rec- of the direction of our next couple episodes. We're going to be shifting gears, and we're really going to be talking about the theme of pharmacy residency. We're going to have two upcoming episodes of someone who has completed a PGY-1 and giving you their perspective on everything they've done. And then we're going to have one episode with a pharmacy director. And we're going to kind of have a really cool format for you guys where we're going to have a Google form or a Google doc for you guys to enter questions you may have before the episode so we can ask them for you on our podcast episode. So today, I'm actually joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Joven Lazo. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. So basically, like Sean said, we'll be kind of going over your schedule for appies or your rotations in your fourth year of pharmacy school. And we've been getting a lot of text messages and phone calls from underclass, from, I guess, third year students, we should say, about how to schedule their rotations. That's kind of why we decided to do this uh, episode for you guys. So basically, our, the main question that we've been asked is like, what process did you take to rank your rotation? So what was our process? So for me, I basically kind of looked at word of mouth. So I would speak to upperclassmen who are on rotations, people who were in their residencies, so who did their rotations a couple of years ago. And whatever advice they kind of gave me as far as their site, I kind of took into an account. And then I also looked at the schedule. Here at UF, we have something called blocks. I know that's not at every school. So a block basically means that you'll have three or more rotations at one site. So for example, if we just want to say an Advent Health Hospital, you could have three rotations there. So you could have your hospital practice there. You could have your community um, rotation there. You could have your ambulatory care rotation for three or maybe for four, you, you could have gen med. So that's just four possibilities. You could also have your electives at a site, but that's just something that um, we have here at UF. I know it's not across all, all campuses, all pharmacy schools, but so just for anybody that's listening that doesn't go to UF, but that's kind of what I looked at. So first, word of mouth, what people said about a place, that they recommended it or not, how busy was it, how much work they did or didn't do, if they felt it was beneficial to their learning, preparing them for the Netflix, things like that. And then also the second main thing was the schedule. So when did I have my block and when did I have my block off as far as uh, having or when did I have a rotation off as far as rotation, ha- taking seven rotations or eight rotations? What about you, Sean? Yeah, I completely agree. My process was very similar. Definitely reaching out to the upperclassmen because there's a lot of different cultures that you'll find in different hospitals or even um, like pharmacies, like systems of different hospitals. So for me, just figuring out what would be a beneficial location to have so I can be productive in my learning. So that was huge. Um, Definitely scheduling as well of the blocks. Um, You wanna really prioritize doing your blocks. I would say in the beginning, um, what do you think, Joven? Like, is there a certain spot you'd recommend to have your block? With me, I wanted to have it early on because I plan on applying for residencies. So depending on what your future goals are, I think that could also play a role. So because I plan on applying for residencies and usually their applications are due in January. I figured it would be better to kind of go over those 
clinical rotations before that. So kind of refresh your own disease states, kind of learn different things, um, be able to present journal clubs, things like that to kind of improve my learning and improve my overall knowledge on these disease states, kind of, especially with some of them, kind of need a refresher on things. Guidelines also change. So it's kind of nice to have to go through the guidelines and have someone break it down for you as far as your preceptor or maybe another pharmacist that's there. And that can go a long way into potentially helping you when you go for a residency. And also the fact that these people most likely did residencies as far as these preceptors. So sometimes it can have that positive um, reinforcement or positive influence um, by writing you a letter of recommendation or saying that they feel like you're capable of doing a residency. They think that it, you know, it'll be challenging, but they think like, hey, I think you can handle it. So if you're interested in applying for one, I think you should do it. So that was um, a personal thing for me. As if, so if you're looking for a residency, I would advise you to try to get, a, get your block before doing it, but it's not a must. It's not something you have to have to have your clinical rotations because when you're applying for your when you're applying for residency programs, you'll see your schedule on your CV. So, and they know that you have to do those type of clinical rotations. So they know that um, you'll be going through it. So it's not a must for you to have it before. I just think it kind of helps. Yeah, I know for sure. Because then you're having that continued relationship over multiple rotations at the same site. So your letters of recommendation mm -hmm. are going to be a lot more personalized than just like a one rotation for six weeks. So I definitely agree with you. Yeah. And, and something else on that, which I just thought of is, especially if you're interested in going there for their residency, you know, if they have maybe a inpatient residency in acute care or a pediatrics or whatever the case may be, and you're interested in that, you can kind of see how they treat their residents, what's the lifestyle there, what is the, the personality with the preceptors, with the pharmacy team, the staff, and everything. So that kind of can play a role into your decision-making process if you decide to apply there or decide not to apply there. That's something else that could also be kind of beneficial for you if you were able to do it before residency. No, yeah, that's a very good point. If you know for sure the direction you want to go after pharmacy school, whether it's like specializing in something, definitely, like you said, look ahead, see which programs are offering these specialized, maybe PGY2 or something like down the line, if you want to just start that relationship there and get your foot in the door, you know, that's, that's great advice. Did you look at people's CVs at all, Sean? Uh, yeah, I am a, um, I'm really, I don't have a LinkedIn, but I will say I'm on LinkedIn all the time looking at preceptors so prior to APP. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause, Cause for me, it's like, so if I knew what areas I was interested in, but there's a ton of different, mm -hmm. um, I guess there's a lot of rotations in the same areas, but it's really just different preceptors. Right. So for me, yeah. I was like, all right, all of these are like, let's say 30 minutes, an hour away or so from me. How do I sort of differentiate which ones I should prioritize first when ranking? So I would pull up people's CVs and I would say, do they have any other interesting experiences they did prior to this job? Are they a clinical manager? What else are they bringing to the table? Are they specialized in anything? Like what do they have that sort of is what what do they have that's like that i find that's really interesting that sort of separates them apart from another person i could probably um be under you know yeah definitely and then that's something that i didn't think about doing but i think that is actually pretty smart and beneficial because you can kind of see um what they've done on their linkedin as far as projects and you can probably see if they had student involvement with those projects you know 
So you can see the names that are added to maybe a publication or a presentation or some type of project, and you can try to, you can check those other names that are after that preceptor and see if they were students um, while, based off like the timeline, if they're in a residency or whatever the case might be, you can kind of check to see if they were students. And that's kind of a preceptor that is probably very into research or very into teaching and learning and also helping you build your CV. And so that could be a benefit if you feel maybe your CV isn't that strong and you have a preceptor that's very into helping students and helping them build their CV, maybe giving them a case study or giving them different a case report, case series, whatever the case may be, some or a topic that you can present at mid-year, for example. So that's something you could put on your CV. So that's something, that's a good point, Sean. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah, for sure. Like if, if your goal is to, like you said, present at mid-year, you can really sort of get a glimpse of maybe how involved you're going to be, right? If you want somewhere where you can contribute a lot to projects and things like that. If you see, like you were saying, that there's a lot of ton of student involvement in projects on their CV, like, hey, that may be a good rotation for you to take if that's your end goal, for sure. Did, um, as far as your community rotation, when you scheduled that, did flu shots matter to you? Did flu shots matter to me? Um, that's a great question. Um, so you're talking more of or did you not even think that? outside of flu season? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that's why I went to mine early. I went to community early because I was like, I do not want to get flu shot on this. I actually didn't consider that, but I feel that's something uh-huh. you may want to consider because. I mean, for me, I have a community setting, um, like I work at CVS, so I'm not too worried about mm-hmm. thoughts and things like that. But yeah, it does get crazy, <laughs> it does get crazy in the flu season. For me, I sort of, since I work at CVS, I really prioritize trying to do like the independent pharmacy rotation to try to get that unique experience. So I actually have an independent mm-hmm. pharmacy rotation coming up. So it's going to be a little different. So maybe get some compounding experience as well. but. Yeah, I would definitely recommend if you're worried about flu season to schedule it outside of those uh, flu season for sure. Yeah, that was, I was like, I don't want to be giving flu shots all day. And even if they don't require the student to do it, that means the pharmacist will be focused on that a lot. And that means I won't be able to spend that much time with the pharmacist to learn from them and kind of pick their brains on different um, self-care topics and, and whatnot. So that's kind of like, one, it was like, I just didn't want to do flu shots. And then two, it was also the fact that I feel I may not be able to have as much time with the pharmacist if it was flu season, because um, from what I hear, it gets very hectic. I don't know, because I don't work in community, but from what I hear and from what I've seen trying to get my flu shot, it's, uh, it's a hot mess. Oh, something else that I did consider was looking at the hours of locations. I didn't want to get stuck working overnights or at a busier location. So I really tended to um, avoid and not rank any 24 hour locations. Another thing that uh, was a common question was whether or not to do seven or eight rotations. I myself, I wanted some time to myself. So that's why I wanted to do seven. Also because I was planning on doing a, going into my fourth year, I was planning on doing either a residency or a fellowship. So I wanted to have a little bit of time off, either prepare for the NAPLEX or to be able to travel, um, kind of just relax my mind, my body before going into something that's going to be very rigorous. But fortunately, COVID happened, so I won't really be able to travel um, 
as much as I would like to when uh, when my block off comes. But for me, or I would say for anybody, I think that probably the best time to kind of get time off would be if you're planning on applying for a residency, you have to realize that you have to go to interviews. So because you have to do interviews, that means you're taking away time from your rotation, which means you'll have to make up that lost time with that rotation because you have to meet a certain amount of hours in order to get, I guess, fulfill the requirements for that rotation. Because of that, if you apply to, let's say, 10 or 11 residencies and you get about maybe five or six interviews, that's going to take a lot of time for you to travel, especially if it's out of state. So that's something you should kind of take into account. And I believe, don't quote me on this, I don't know if Sean knows, I believe residency interviews are usually in like February or March. So um, you would probably... They begin in January and then usually they're January. completed in uh, February. So I would say you want to January. have at that time off. Okay. Okay. So January, February. So if you plan on going for a residency, maybe try to see if you can have a block off in January, February. So you don't have to worry about all that. And not only that, also I remember that it is a residence. It is a residency. So that means that you have to do an interview, which means you have to prepare for the interview. So if you're in a very um, tough rotation, you're doing a lot of work, you may not be able to have the time to prepare as well as you would like for this interview. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. So maybe try to have that January and February time off if that's something you're interested in, as well as if you're, and I don't want to just keep it to the residency people. Also, if you're interested in for a fellowship, I don't know when interviews are for a fellowship. I believe the applications are usually due around November, December. So I would assume December, January is probably interviews or maybe November, December. So you would probably want that maybe November time off, that block that includes November. And um, if, depending on your school, I don't know how far they go into December. I know UF, I believe like usually the, I think it's like the first week is like our last time in, in December. So we usually um have like three weeks off so you kind of have that time off and you'll be able to travel for those interviews and whatnot so that's just something to kind of keep into account so if you want to study for the natplex maybe you want to block off later if you want to prepare for residency interviews or traveling for residency interviews maybe the january one january february and then for um fellowships maybe the november december time off what, what is your take sean yeah, so I completely agree with you. Um, definitely how you broke it down, which time to sort of, if you are going to take a block off, but you want to be productive in it, for sure, take off the mm -hmm. times, like you said, like you could do January, February for residencies. You could also take the very last rotation off, like you said, study for the, um, the licensing exams. Um, for myself, I already had my block off, and it was definitely a good mental break that I definitely needed. Um, for me, I couldn't imagine not having any time off. So it's definitely something that I felt was beneficial for me. I will say that these AP rotations, you're really understanding the day-to-day -day of what these pharmacists are doing in certain areas, and you also get to learn a lot. So if you're someone who is interested in a lot of areas, or maybe you're not sure what you want to do, then maybe you should consider doing the A rotations, because you're going to get unique experiences and a lot of different electives that you may never have the chance to really get an idea. Like if you're sort of, you want, you don't not sure what you want to specialize in, or you're not sure if you want to do industry or compounding or 
managed care, like there's, this is a great ex experience and you should definitely take mm -hmm. advantage of great rotations. That's for you. But if you also want to go on vacation, you do have to weigh that too. Uh, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of things to keep in mind, but definitely just, just sit down and sort of weigh your pros and cons and figure out what your end goals are and where you're at. Mm -hmm. And you brought up a great point as far as if you don't know what you want to do, to definitely do to do eight. So whether or not if you do eight or you do seven, I don't think a residency, a fellowship, a if you want to do community, a job offer, I don't think, of course, it's just a thought, I don't know, but I, I don't think that they really care if you did seven or eight. I don't think they're going to mark you like a point off or look down on you if you only did seven versus eight. So I think it's really a personal choice, like Sean was saying. So definitely feel comfortable doing seven or eight. I'm doing seven. Sean did seven. I know other people that have done seven and they did fine. I know a lot more people that do seven rotations than eight, um, but I don't think there's any wrong answer. I think as long as you kind of go into this process with a plan, then you're good. But there's no really right or wrong answer as far as seven or eight. So don't feel like you have to do eight if you want to stand out. It's really for your own personal benefit. If you don't know what you want to do career-wise, that gives you another opportunity to spend time in the field. And maybe if you do know what you want to do, but you want to spend a little bit of time in um, critical care, for example, as far as an elective, but you know, you don't want to do that career wise. And that's great. You can go in there. Maybe you can learn a lot of stuff in critical care. And maybe you want to go into industry. Maybe you could learn something and realize like a gap in critical care, like maybe a new drug that could be desired or a new formulation. And then you can kind of take that to industry where you work. So you never know how a rotation could impact you and also who that preceptor might know as far as connections as well. So that's something that you could also keep in mind. So there's really no wrong answer whether you do seven or eight. But definitely, if, if you're unsure, I agree with Sean, you should probably, you should look into, or you should consider doing eight. But you don't have to. Yeah, and then, yeah, you sort of just kind of like made me remember what my thought process was. But I was really considering doing eight because I haven't had any, any industry experience, but I thought that would be so cool to do, you know, apply for some mm -hmm. of the in-state and out-of-state applications, maybe even apply to the FDA one, maybe even try an international rotation. Like there are a lot of cool, unique experiences that you can really only get on your fourth year. So that's also something to really sit down and consider as well. Yeah. And you just kind of segue perfectly into <laughs> the next, the next uh, topic is whether is traveling. I know that was something that people kind of forget you don't have to do your rotations in the city that you're at. So right, Sean and I are in Orlando. So we could do all our rotations in Orlando, or you could do maybe your first couple of rotations in Orlando. And if there's a hospital you really want to work at, or let's say Cleveland Clinic or something like that, you could go to a different city that has Cleveland Clinic if that's where you want to do your block or you want to do rotations there. So don't feel limited to the city that you're you're in school at you can definitely go to a different city or a different state or even a different country because i know uf offers international rotations um i don't know if they'll be offering it going forward because of covid but in the past they did so that's something else don't limit yourself if you feel you're interested in pediatrics and they have a great pediatrics hospital in jacksonville then it's like oh maybe do a couple rotations here in orlando and then you know, 
your rent up and then get a place in Jacksonville and just be there for the rest. You don't have to stay in one spot. So that's something else to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. There's really cool um, rotations that are a little bit of a drive or maybe you, I don't know, you rent a place for like for your rotation or something. Like there's a lot of like nuclear pharmacy, there's um, psychiatric, mm-hmm. there's pain management clinics. There's a lot of cool experiences. Well, I know for us, they weren't really too local, but if you wanted to drive yeah. or like that's a great experience that you're really you really want to experience like like working in those fields that's something that you're gonna to have to do but it, yeah. I, I feel like it would be worth it for sure 100 percent. yeah and I, w- I would throw compounding in there too like as another interesting one that you may not have too much experience locally so you might have to go to a different city if you're interested in compounding and you could definitely pull that off maybe do if you want to do majority of your rotations in one area maybe do them all in in the city you're in and then maybe hopefully your rent is up and then you can just move or rent out like an Airbnb for like a month or so um, or for the six weeks, I should say, not a month for the four to six weeks that your rotation is and just be there. And so that way you're not paying rent in two places and you could just do that one um, compounding or nuclear pharmacy or, or pain rotation. So definitely don't limit yourself. I think a lot of people forget that aspect. I kind of did myself when I was ranking, when I was scheduling it. So hopefully you guys listening, you don't make that same mistake because I could have definitely kind of wiggled things around a bit. So that way I could get a little traveling in, check out a whole new city, check out a whole new like site as far as practice, um, a whole new company and whatnot. So that's something that definitely don't limit yourself and you should also consider whenever you're scheduling your rotations. All right. So what about the topic of working? Should you be working during your APPE scheduling? Like what should you think about your job? Like how would you think like students should pursue, I guess, maybe communicating to their company they work for, their boss, that they're going to have a lot more work on their plate? Yeah, that's tough. That one, I think that goes back to the type of rotation you want. So talking to your upperclassmen to see what their experience was at this site. Was it a hard site? Was it a busy site? Did you have a lot of take-home work to do? Was it you just go there, you work hard, and then you're basically done, you don't have to do much else? Because knowing that, maybe that can kind of determine how much you can work that rotation. Because it's not going to be the same in each rotation as far as, because it's going to be multiple things. So one, it might be you're very knowledgeable in that disease state or in the core disease states at that rotation. So maybe it doesn't require as much effort from you because you just know it versus being in a whole element that you're not familiar with, like maybe cancer. If you're not that great in oncology and you have an oncology rotation, that might take a lot more time out of you. So you might want to talk to your, your employer about maybe working less if possible. And if you feel like your employer would not be willing to maybe give you less hours, that's going to be kind of tough. So maybe you kind of look at your rotations a bit differently, or maybe not. Maybe you feel like you can handle working a lot and also your rotation. So that's really a personal thing. You kind of got to gauge who you are and what you feel like you're capable of. But that's something where you should definitely, at least I think you should kind of bring up that conversation with your employer about seeing if you can work maybe a little bit less. Because at the same time, like we said, you'll probably be applying for jobs, whether it's a residency, a fellowship, or just a straight up job. So that's something that also takes time. You also have to study for the NAPLEX. So I think 
no matter how much you're working, you might want to work a little bit less because you're also now basically doing a whole nine to five added on to whatever else you got to do at home. And then now also your work schedule to make money. So that's something that you should definitely include in the process of selecting your rotations. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I basically told my boss, um, I love helping you guys out, but there's just some times where I can't <laughs> physically work because it's just such a busy week. So I just, yeah, just being upfront with your job, letting them know you have this new schedule. Definitely do it before you start rotations. Um, I'd probably do it mm-hmm. a couple weeks to a month prior, just let them know, especially if you're working a lot of hours. That way they can sort of schedule around that and plan around you doing your rotation. So I guess something that a lot of people are worried about is what to do if you're unhappy with a rotation that you're placed in or you're unhappy with a schedule? Is there anything students can do to sort of swap rotations or is there anything you think a student can do if they're on that rotation that can sort of make that experience more beneficial or more enjoyable for them? Yeah, so I know here at UF we have the option to swap. So that's something that you could definitely consider and try to swap their rotation to a different one. But if that's not possible, the best thing I could say that that you could do is probably try to incorporate the things that you like into that rotation. So if you have a interest in maybe oncology, for example, and you're on your gen med rotation, maybe you could ask to maybe spend some time with the oncology pharmacist, or maybe you could ask if we can incorporate maybe in your in a topic discussion that you have to do. Maybe if, even though it's not gen med related, maybe your preceptor will allow you to maybe go over breast cancer treatments or and whatnot or maybe go over um a couple medication a couple oncology medications and side effects and things like that and maybe if, if not for a topic discussion maybe you could do it for a journal club so i would say try to find unique ways to incorporate the things you like into the practice maybe um if you have to do a case presentation maybe you could do it on oncology or something like that and that's just something that I tried to do on my rotations. Um, fortunate, I've been fortunate enough to where I didn't have a rotation I haven't liked. But as far as if I did, that's kind of the avenue that I would go through. I would try to incorporate the things I do like so I can make my, my day more enjoyable and, and whatnot. And also see if maybe I can spend some time shadowing the pharmacist. Maybe they'll give me like an hour or so to go shadow a pharmacist in oncology or whatever the case may be. What about you, Sean? you're on the money with that for sure in your first couple (laughs) days or possibly your first week you're going to have a feel for what your day-to-day is and if you're someone who's a go-getter or someone who wants to be more involved and let's say the pharmacy or the pharmacist or your preceptor even is very hands-off and you feel like you're not getting maybe the learning opportunities or you're not um, being involved in any projects and things like that definitely speak up, you know, ask like, hey, is there any projects or any areas that I can contribute to? Um, so definitely, definitely, you can definitely speak up and sort of shape your rotation around what your interests are, whether you want to do some projects where like Jobin said, if you want to shadow in other areas. So maybe you have a elective that you're not too excited about. But the hospital you're at is a trauma center, and you're super interested in that. Be like, hey, can I be with the mm-hmm pharmacist in the mornings and do rounds for a couple days like get that experience you know and yeah. I'm sure preceptors will be open they're really doing this experience to help you so just be open mm-hmm. you know and you'll you'll be fine you'll have a great experience 
Definitely. And that's something that um, I'm very thankful for, for one of the pharmacists that I met at my first rotation. So that was the community one. She was very adamant about standing up for yourself and being vocal. So I think me having that mentality, I kind of took that going forward with um, my current rotation and the rotation I had before this, the Amcare one, where if there was something that maybe I didn't like or something, which I, I didn't, there was nothing I didn't like, but maybe there was something that I would like to learn more about. I was vocal and I expressed it to them. And they were like, oh, yeah, we would love to teach you this. And I was like, really? Like, even though it may not have to do with AMCARE, but it still obviously dealt with pharmacy. They're like, yeah, we would love to go over those topics with you and stuff like that. So that's stuff that you should definitely do and be vocal whenever you're on your rotation. And be careful how you word things, of course. But if there's things that you would like to incorporate, like trauma, and you're at a trauma center, like, <laughs> definitely let your preceptor know you're interested in that. So that's something that, that you can spend some time with. And Maybe if you can't do it during your rotation, maybe you can go after your rotation or maybe they'll let you come in on the weekends and you can spend some time um, in the trauma center and, and see if that's something that you're really into or not. So I think there's a lot of benefits in being vocal. So that's a great point, Sean. I'm glad you brought that up. As far as electives, I decided to do mine based off of um, what people recommended. So if you listen to the podcast, uh, we had Dr. Randy Boudron on episode two, I believe. So he's one of my mentors and he was talking to, he was, he expressed how much he enjoyed his uh, specialty rotation and also his um, geriatrics rotation. And I kind of did things different. I did the, uh, so he was like my main reason for ranking those electives, but I don't know if you remember Sean, it's, I think it was APHA, but there's like some, some site that you can go to and you can kind of rank, you can like list things off about your personality and like the, whatever, like the things you're into in pharmacy. And it gives you a list of like, like your top career choices that suit you based off what you put. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know what you're talking about. It's kind of like a personality test and sort of like how you, like your work ethic and sort of. Like, like sort of what environments you work best in, right? And ask you questions like that? Yeah, 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 within pharmacy. I don't remember the, the name of it, but I remember, um, like, we had to do it for, like, an assignment or something like that. And I found it interesting that two out of the top five choices that they gave me, I, I'm pretty sure number one was geriatrics. And then the one of the other ones, might have been three or four, was specialty pharmacy. And that those... And specialty was something I was always kind of interested in because it's different. Um, geriatrics, I didn't, I don't personally really have that big of an interest in it, but I saw that and he recommended it because he had a great time there. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should check it out. Maybe I will like it. You never know. You'll be shocked at some of the things you thought you would like and then some of the things <laughs> you thought you wouldn't like. And then you do it on a rotation and you're like, wow, this is actually kind of fun and enjoyable. Like, like I said earlier about like community, like, a great time so always keep an open mind of course but i kind of also looked at that i have to find the name maybe we could add it to the to the bio for this episode but the link for that for that um that site i kind of use that also to help me pick my electives as well as word of mouth what about you sean 
this is before COVID. So I had to pick three electives for my full rotation schedule. So I'm always okay. super interested in critical care and infectious diseases. So I basically just looked up those two categories and I, <laughs> I was, I would put them there and I would sort of rotate them like ID critical care and just like based on like location yeah. receptor and what I prioritized definitely made a lot of pros and cons when I was stuck between places. Like, don't want to drive that far, but this preceptor has been working for a while. Their clinical manager, like, should I work with them? So things like that. Um, so I actually had a, a, my third elective that actually got dropped because um, COVID was in compounding. Like you got said, it. it was about an hour or so away. Really? I really wanted to get that experience. So I was definitely willing to drive an hour on um, both ways to get that experience. It was a huge compounding center that compounded tons of drugs for local hospitals and then also some outpatients as well. And that's a career field mm-hmm. that I had no experience in, but it's something that I wanted to see, is this a good fit for me, you know? So definitely if you're kind of like me and you're kind of sure what paths you want to do, definitely schedule those things first. But then since you already do get that extra elective, I would put something or maybe put two down if you're gonna do your eight blocks put some electives down that are in areas that you're interested in but you don't know too much about because i feel like that experience yeah. if it's something you're interested in you should definitely pursue it because you never want to leave a door closed you know so mm-hmm. yeah i completely agree so if if you have any interest or if you're unsure definitely rank it so thing that I know I don't have an interest in would be something like pediatrics. Like I just know I don't want to deal with that. So if it's a pediatrics rotation, then I'm not going to bother ranking it. But something like oncology, compounding, I'm unsure about, I would rank that. You know, I mean, I rank it as my top choices maybe, but I would definitely rank that. So that way, if I get it, I wouldn't be like upset about it or anything like that. So I definitely recommend doing that. And then there was something else that we did not talk about. And hopefully it comes to my head while I keep talking. <laughs> um, oh, oh, oh. As far as the blocks. So we were saying how UF kind of has blocks. So you can do like three or four um, rotations at one site. There's another thing that I've, I forgot to kind of mention is in regards to how many rotations do you want in that block? Me personally, I think it's better if you have three because then that means you'll be able to branch out to other sites. So I'm more about networking. So if you have that type of personality, I think if you can have the least amount of rotations out of block and hopefully it's your core rotation. So the Amcare, hospital practice, general med, or community, if you could have those ones there, so that way you can kind of be free and pick wherever you want to be for your electives. And it could also be easier for you to switch if you get an elective you don't like, in my opinion. So that's something that also has come up where I think some people think, oh, it's better for me to have multiple multiple rotations at that block. And it's like, yes, but only, like it's better to have four rotations at that block versus three, but yes, only if you're actually interested in that fourth rotation. If you're not interested in it, And that's kind of pulling you away from that site where some people think, oh, because I'll be there for four different rotations, I'll be able to continue to network there and stuff like that. I think after three rotations that (laughs) it's not like you couldn't network more, but people will know you by then. So if that fourth rotation is something that you're not interested in, 
then I wouldn't bother ranking a site that has four or five rotations within that block. I would try to limit yourself, try to do, try to go for the ones that have three or four at the least, or at the most, I should say three or four at the most, and then pick whichever electives you want. So that's something that I also weighed heavily as far as ranking. Like I wanted to make sure my block had the core ones so that way I could be free to choose for my electives. I don't know um, what you decided to do for that, Sean. No, we were definitely in the same boat. So I picked a block with only three rotations, so the bare minimum um, of length for a block. It had critical care, which is the one elective I wanted the most, so I was super excited about that. And then it had two other required rotations that weren't electives. It was general medicine and ambulatory care. So by doing that, I sort of gave myself this freedom where I could basically pick and choose my community setting. I could pick and choose my other electives. So I think that is something, if you want more freedom over what you're doing and none of the set blocks that do have electives completely um, represent what you want to do, then I would definitely recommend a smaller block. However, on the other side of this, I know some students really prioritize going to a more renowned hospital. Some of these hospitals, I know for our area, we have like ORMC or in Gainesville, there's uh, Shands and things like that. They have much longer blocks where it may be like five, six or some, or things like that, that really set a whole schedule for you, but you are getting a great experience at being at that institution. So it's just something else to really weigh as well. Definitely, definitely, that's a great point. So did you have uh, any other topics you wanna to mention, Sean? If not, we could wrap it up. I don't have anything more to add, but I know that if you're in the current position, whether you're doing APPE, your APPE scheduling, you may have tons of questions. So yeah, please reach out to us on any of our social media and we'll, we'd love to help mm -hmm. you guys out in this process. Definitely. So yeah, feel free to reach us out on Instagram. It's probably the quickest way. On there, we have our link tree. So you can either just message on Instagram Capsule Production, or you could just go on our link tree. It's in the bio, and then you could just message Sean personally or myself personally. But I think we both have our Instagrams on there. We're also on Facebook. So if you want to search us, I don't know if it's on the link tree or not. But if Facebook's easier for you, you can also just go on Facebook and message us. And we can kind of go over that for you and um, kind of help guide you the best way we can. And um, as Sean said earlier in the intro, um, just a reminder that we will be kind of switching things up and going transitioning more to residency type episodes coming up. So we have a couple residency episodes the next couple of weeks that we'll be dropping, kind of talking about residency, um, how to apply, different things to think about, and how to prepare for residency interviews. That's going to be the next couple of weeks. And then after that, um, we plan on doing an episode with a residency director. And he was um, super willing to be interviewed and whatnot. So what we'll probably do is either a Google Doc or a Google Form, whatever is the best um, or easiest for everybody. And we'll go ahead and put that on our Instagram and also on Facebook. So that way you guys can kind of uh, go ahead and put in any questions that you might have in reference to a residency that you would want answered by a residency director, because I feel like we all have questions and we don't know who necessarily to go to besides colleagues, but I think it'd be great to get the perspective of a residency director. So that's something to be on the lookout that we'll have coming up. And I guess to just in closing, as far as what we highly recommend, word of mouth is probably 
your best bet to find out how good or how bad that rotation is. Um, which, as Sean said, which I think is a great idea to kind of check their LinkedIn, see what they have on their CV. You can even maybe look at their projects and presentations and kind of see if they had any students involved in that. So that way you can kind of build your CV if that's something you would like to do before a residency fellowship or a job interview. Also, just keep into the account as far as the blocks and the rotations. It's really your choosing. So the best thing to do is to go in with a plan. So my plan was to avoid doing community when it's flu season. Um, so either early or late to make sure I have a block off so I can kind of refresh, um, relax, maybe travel, or if not, I can use that time for, to prepare for resident, residency interviews or to use that time to prepare for the NAPLEX. So depending on when my block off would be, that's what I would use it for. So, but if you decide to go with eight, that's great. Nothing's wrong with that. I don't think anybody will look at you wrong for doing that. And if you decide to do seven, nobody will like mark points off or anything like that. It's perfectly understandable if you decide to do seven or eight. And we would definitely recommend for you to do eight if you're completely unsure about what you want to do. So that way you can get some more exposure. But yeah, so definitely um, word of mouth, check the LinkedIn, uh, schedule your rotations. Like I said, community. I wanted to get that out of the way either early or late because I didn't want to be in during flu season. I wanted to make sure I get my clinical practice in before um, my clinical rotations before residency interviews so I can kind of refresh all those topics. But don't feel that if you don't get it beforehand, that it's the end of the world. You know, you could always reach out to an upperclassman or you could always just do it on your own, kind of go through diabetes. There's YouTube is a great resource. You could find some great videos on YouTube that kind of go over disease states and whatnot. So that's something that you could also use to help refresh your memory on these um, different medications, different drug classes, uh, mechanisms of actions and disease states. So that's something that you could definitely use uh, if you don't get the opportunity to have your clinical rotations beforehand. Yes. But even if you don't, oh, go ahead, Sean. Did you uh, have something to say? You're good, you're good. Okay, okay. Um, so, and even if you don't get that chance to do your clinical rotations, definitely be vocal with your preceptors and mention any disease states, maybe new medications, maybe administration technique, if that's something that you would like to learn about. Be vocal and express that to your preceptor. Maybe they'll be willing to either, if they're not knowledgeable about it, maybe they can find a pharmacist that is and kind of teach you that. Or maybe if you're not that interested in let's say oncology and that's the rotation you have, maybe they'll allow you to shadow trauma if it's also a trauma center. Maybe they'll let you spend some time with a trauma pharmacist or surgery pharmacist. So that's something that you should definitely take into account um, is to definitely try to be vocal. And last but not least, definitely, definitely, definitely make sure you communicate with your employer about um, your schedules coming up because some rotations might be more taxing some might be a little bit more relaxed. Some might only be taxing while you're there. So when you go to that rotation, you do your nine to five and then you're done. You don't have to do anything when you go home. So maybe during those rotations, you might want to keep your current work schedule, but maybe on the ones where you have to do a lot of topic discussions, presentations, journal clubs, et cetera, you know, you don't have as much time. So definitely you want to be vocal with your employer kind of express um, how much time you think you'll have, try to do that. Like Sean was saying, I think he said about like three weeks in advance if you can, because you know you have a rotation coming up. So definitely you want to express that with your employer so it's not a, a surprise for them so that way they can plan accordingly that you won't be there. 
And then that's basically it. I feel like that kind of wraps everything up that we talked about. Um, Sean, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. You're on a roll. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. But yeah, I just wanted to say, that, yeah, basic summary, don't limit yourself and also be true to yourself and where your interests lie. I did want to throw out a disclaimer because we have been talking about finding your preceptors on LinkedIn. So I'm not too familiar with LinkedIn, but I do know that if you're currently logged into LinkedIn, people will get alerts if they have that setting of who viewed their profile. So you may want to log out before you go and creep on your preceptors. Right, Joven? Did you hear that? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Me, I would rather them know that I was checking them out. So <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind if they know it. But if you kind of feel sketchy about that, you don't want them to know, that's a great point because they, they might be able to know who's viewed their profile. But then again, you won't be there until maybe a year later because by the time you rank it, so they'll probably forget. <laughs> but that's something that you could uh, take into account. And I love how Sean said, don't limit yourself. But definitely, 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 if you feel maybe a hospital, if you live in Orlando and a hospital in Jacksonville or Tampa might be best for you, definitely take that into account. Don't limit yourself to just Orlando. You could do maybe your first three rotations here and then move to Jacksonville or Tampa and finish the rest of them out there, you know? Or if you know a certain hospital that you really want to be at for your, your whole career, like this is home, this is where you want to be, this is the city, everything then maybe try to do as many as your rotations there. You should definitely go for um, a rotation where you'll be having maybe four or five in your block at that site because that's where you want to be, you know? But it's just um, something I, I definitely advise other people, which I don't think we said earlier when they asked me, was that also keep in mind that if you're there for a long period of time, that's every day is a job interview. So if you're only there for um, six weeks, and doing three rotations there, so each week, you're only going to be there for 90 days. That's a 90-day job interview. But if you're going to be there for four rotations, five rotations, you know, that starts adding up. It's 120, 150 days that you have to always bring your A game, you know. So for some people, if, you know, sometimes you might, you might want to relax a little bit, you, you might want to bring your B game. So if that's the case, like maybe not doing too many rotations at the one site, you know. So that's just something to always keep in mind because you never know who's listening, who's around and, and whatnot. So you always also want to be careful about how much time you're spending at, at one site. And maybe you don't enjoy that site as much as you thought you would have. Maybe. So that's something to also consider. So that's why I'm a big fan of doing the least amount you can at one block. So that way I can get out and experience other sites. But there's really no wrong answer. I just think as long as you go in with a plan, that'll help you. That'll help you whenever you're scheduling your appies. And like Sean said earlier, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We wish you all the best in your future upcoming rotations. And we sincerely hope you get all your rotations that you currently are most interested in. Definitely. And, um, oh, one last thing, one last thing. Um, yeah, so I know we said that we won't really be doing rotation, um, anything pertaining to rotations, any going forward. We'll still do our recaps so you can still hear about our experiences for our rotations, but as far as like rotation content, we don't plan on doing any more for the rest of the year. So probably be, we're focusing, we're going to focus more on residency and then also just the general different career paths in pharmacy and whatnot. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, so thank you all for listening, like Sean said, and then, um, well, I, <laughs> I never closed. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> Until next time. Uh,
and we can leave it. Sean, you don't have to edit this. You can leave it in. Um, I feel oh, like yeah, I never close, but uh, so I gotta close. I gotta be clutch. Sean, Sean, Sean's the clutch one. Um, what would Sean say? So let me channel Sean. Sean would say something like, "Thank you all for listening so much. We appreciate the love and support, and um, we're gonna keep working hard for you guys. And check out our next episode next week. Thank you guys." Perfect. That's why something you would say, Sean. A legend, right there. <laughs> Jovan, what's up with the closing? <laughs> I had to channel you. <laughs>